recorded live at 4 Z Studios Brisbane on 102.1 FM. And broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Zed Games. With 10 years experience and over 500 episodes, Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community and culture. Want to reach out? Message us on Facebook at ZEDGamesAU. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Zed Games. My name is Zara and with me in the studio tonight is... Cameron. And... Caroline. Did you forget your name there for a moment? I thought my name was Caroline for a second and it got really awkward. I was thinking earlier that it might be confusing having two people who have like the same first letter in their names. Like perhaps you two will be like, oh, I don't know who I am anymore. Um, Granted, I I did think that I would get your names mixed up. I wasn't expecting you to get your names mixed up. Keeping you on your toes, Zara. Exactly. Speaking of keeping people on their toes, on this show that is very consistent and has pretty much the same content every night, you can probably guess what we have lined up for you tonight, which is... Juggling. uh, Juggling, yes. And... But before juggling, we have news... Two reviews <gasps> and also some witty banter and chatter and just general shenanigans. Shenanig that is a good word. Shenanigans. Ooh, it's one of my favorite words. How do you spell it? <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't go to school yeah, for I, spelling. We I, played I video games. We didn't learn things. <laughs> well that's how I learned how to type real quick was like with all those like typing games. Oh Martin Beakers Baker. Oh, I can't whatever even remember. It was, yeah. it was just like I think there was like one like <laughs> so many of them. And they all whip. You know what also whips? The weekly cream. Gaming. Sorry. <laughs> I totally <threw> <laughs> Alright. We're gonna hop into the news. And while we're listening to the news, I'm going to consider how much I'm craving whipped cream now. This week in gaming news, Melbourne International Games Week is back again. The 8th annual Melbourne International Games Week will take place in person from the 1st to the 9th of October this year, returning from two years of online-only events. Melbourne International Games Week is a major games industry conference for the Asia-Pacific region, and this year will host a number of industry events, including High Score, Composition and Sound Art for Games, Game Connect Asia-Pacific, Games for Change Asia-Pacific Festival, Free Play Parallels, Australian Game Developer Awards, and the Girls in Games Jam. There'll also be some fun public events like a week-long accessibility-focused charity stream hosted by Variety. Mario Kart Tour has earned nearly 300 million US dollars. Nintendo launched a mobile game Mario Kart Tour three years ago to immediate popularity as well as controversy over its gambling-esque gacha mechanics that randomly reward players when they spend money on the game. Nintendo announced last week that they're pulling the gacha mechanics in the game's next update, but not before it made the company almost 300 million US dollars in revenue since release. The randomized rewards will now be replaced with a regular in-game store that will allow players to purchase the items they want for a fixed price. Sony releasing Grey Camouflage PS5. Sony unveiled new PlayStation 5 covers and accessories this Tuesday with a grey camouflage pattern that has some scratching their heads. While the camouflage patterns have precedent from the PS4 days, up till now Sony had only released solid colors for the new console's cosmetic outer covers, and the new pattern is an interesting look to say the least. Have a look at the pictures. Splitgate developer announces follow-up game. 
The studio behind popular portal-based first-person shooter Splitgate has announced the game will not be receiving new feature updates as the studio, 1047 Games, will start work on the game's successor. The new game will keep with Splitgate's core premise of being a competitive shooter with portal mechanics, but will be developed from scratch on Unreal Engine 5, giving the developers a chance to explore new ideas without having to retrofit them into their existing game. Now for some upcoming releases. September 8 brings Blockham, Hyperviolent, Rift Sweepers, and Road Warden to PC. Justice Sucks Tactical Vacuum Action to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And Steel Rising to PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. September 9th brings Betrayal at Club Low and Broken Pieces to PC. Cat Maze to PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. NBA 2K23 to PlayStation and Xbox. And Splatoon 3 to Switch. September 13 brings Little Orpheus to PC. PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Lovecraft's Untold Stories 2, SCP Secret Files, and Sunday Gold to PC. Voice of Cards, The Beasts of Burden to PC, PS4, and Switch. And World War One Isonzo to PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. On September 14th, You Suck at Parking comes to PC and Xbox One, and Cube 10th Anniversary comes to PC and Xbox Series X. That's all this week in gaming news. Thank you so much for that, Hazel. Really appreciate it. You know, here at Z Games, we like to bring you the latest in gaming news and anything related to the industry, the community, just like whatever's going on that we think should be mentioned. And I really think I need to emphasize the fact that that controller with its camouflage kind of pattern, kind of ugly. You kind of lose my it all opinion. the time too. I don't know. Are, are people still into the whole wearing camouflage like all the time? I think they are, but you can't see them. Oh, you were so right. Here I am walking around like, oh, I don't see any camouflage out anymore. I guess it must be out of style. They, they're, they're just camouflage. Yeah, there's some people in the room right now. You know what? Actually, t- uh, take back. I take back that statement. That control actually looks very cool. I think it's very funky. I think cool <laughs> people have it. Did I just hear like no? Oh no! So can someone help Changing, me? Me changing tack. Thank you. I was a bit worried about that Mario Kart news because I really liked the taste. Really? But I realised no, they're removing gacha mechanics, not matcha. Uh, <sighs> see, I thought there was Moving something on. a little funky. Love some matcha. You're just making me want to go to a cafe. Why is this episode so focused on like food so far? Because it's six o'clock and I haven't eaten. Fair enough. I've eaten and I'm still hungry. I know. I was disappointed. I was. Oh no. I am snacky constantly. Well, all right. So Cameron (gasps) has a review for us. (gasps) Don't act so surprised. Oh, that's that's why it explains (laughs) I was playing this. (laughs) That's why you wrote that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the game I was talking about this week is Robo Revenge Squad, which is for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC on Steam, the Nintendo Switch, which is the version I played. It's developed and published by Rodoku. Now, robots are cool. Revenge is sweet. Yes. Doing stuff with your friends is fun. Yes. Robo Revenge Squad combines all those elements into one explosive package that's designed to keep your circuits buzzing. So let's find out how it was assembled. Now, I didn't provide the soundtrack for this because the the soundtrack didn't come up, but if you guys want to provide robot noises in the background, that's totally cool. You know I can do that. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
So, the basic premise of Robo Revenge Squad is that you assemble a robot from a series of off-the-shelf parts. This can include vacuum cleaners, fridge doors, or a set of steak knives. Whatever. Like, random parts around the house you make a robot out of. That's what immediately appealed to me. I thought that was really, really cool. You put all that together and set out to rid the world of evil robots. It's the range of different items that you equip Robo with that really piqued my interest in the first place. I mean, how many other games are out there where you can attach a tennis ball launcher to your arms? I wish I had a tennis ball launcher in my arms. Real life can do that, I'm sure. (laughs) Things to do at our next meetup, I guess. (laughs) Yes. So I really liked the creativity and customization on offer. I thought that was really enticing. So the whole game is presented in this really delightful retro science fiction aesthetic, which resembles like a 50s diner, if you've ever been in one of those. I've heard of them. Yep. The 50s were a thing. Ask your grandparents. It feels like what if the cast of Happy Days worked on their homemade robots instead of tinkering with Chryslers or Chevys? Ask your grandparents about Happy Days, Chryslers and Chevys. So, you build a robot, you select a mission of revenge, and you set up to blow up enemy robots and earn new parts. Seems like a pretty simple, cool thing. Mm -hmm. And it sounds great, and it is, except for a few misgivings. Oh, no. Dum, dum, dum. Now, my friends here in the studio may notice that I have human hands. Uh, I have um, noticed that, actually. I thought it was very ordinary. Thank you, I've been working out. This appears to run contrary to the developers of Robo Revenge Squad, who seem to have designed the controls with crab claws in mind. Playing the game using all four shoulder buttons at once uh, feels... Com- yeah, it's... Yeah, imagine. Do it... Put... Yeah, like that. And then with your thumbs on the analog sticks and both your forefinger and index fingers. Like- yeah, listeners, if you have a controller nearby, play along at home. And try holding that for five, ten oh, minutes at a time. Oh, that feels bad. That feels Oh, it's on the Switch as well, isn't yes. it? So that's- oh, oh, no. Yes. I now you get it. just thinking about it. So, playing the game using all four shoulder buttons at once feels unnecessarily antagonistic towards my hand muscles. Especially when there's all these face buttons going unused. I keep dashing into enemies when I meant to shoot tennis balls at them, which is super frustrating. Maybe it was just me, though, although gathered from the, your response, maybe it's not. But I'm used to use the shoulder buttons being secondary commands, not primary ones. The other thing is, most of the time I spent playing was just moving backwards while attacking enemies who were in front of me, which would have been fine if the enemies didn't continually respawn within 10 seconds. There's no real point to shooting enemies at all, frankly, because you don't get anything for destroying them, except for a brief few seconds of peace and quiet. I quickly learned the only real way to play is just to speed through the environment, avoid contact with other robots as much as possible, which is basically my day. Just run through everything, avoid human contact, avoid robot contact here. It's a bit disappointing for a game ostensibly about blowing up robots, though. Now, the last point is moot, however, if you're playing with up to three other friends or random strangers you've met over the internet. With other robos on your revenge god, one player can concentrate on hacking security systems while another can open supply crates while another defends the group from attack. The multiplayer mayhem is where the game really, really shines though, and I really like that. And it's what the game is really designed around because trying to do all those things at once by yourself is incredibly aggravating, but when you can dish it out and assign rosters to people, it's kind of fun. Uh, I mentioned before how the visual style is akin to like an old school rock and roll diner and the cheesy 50 science fiction motive. That extends to the soundtrack as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really, really delightful of like like B-movie-esque tracks. It really perfectly accompanies the clinky, clangy calamity of the game's sound effects. It's fun. It's vibrant. Best of all, it's over the top to the source material. Like it's just really cheesy and silly, which I really, really enjoyed. 
and even the parts are like have a lot of humor in them and when you see stuff blow up it's very cool everything sounds positive in that retro futuristic style that if you're a fan of like futurama that's very much that kind of vibe in the music as well as the aesthetic yeah that everything's kind of metal and clangy and that just satisfying yeah Yeah, really really satisfying percussive percussive that's a good word yeah i got a lot of good words tonight that that word tasted good (laughs) <laughs> That's fancy book learning. Yeah. So yeah, uh, overall, lot to love about Rover Revenge Squad, especially if it's a multiplayer experience. It's fast, it's frenetic, it's got a lot of style, got a lot of humor. The controls, frustrating single player experience though, enough for me to take it off the shelves and hope for a future upgrade. That had, that had a bit of like ups, some epic highs and epic lows. We laughed, um, we cried. I'm trying to figure out the controller thing yep. because I feel like the idea behind it must be to like make it feel more like you're a robot. Yeah, there's 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 a really interesting mechanic where if you shoot your primary weapon, it decreases charge. But if you shoot your secondary weapon, it builds up your charge of your primary weapon. So you kind of need to keep swapping weapons. Ooh. So you, your fingers are kind of like doing this weird flexing thing all not the time not the most ergonomic control system were you no. playing it in like docked mode or handheld i tried i tried handheld mode i tried tabletop mode with the, mm. the switch on the desk and me holding a controller yeah. the pro controller is probably the best mm. option with yeah. that that worked out really nicely but i imagine that would be what it would be like on the xbox and the playstation yeah, yeah, and yeah. The whatever. very similar shape very similar but it was still after like five ten minutes i was just like no i'm good mm. I mean, like, if you, if you like, bossed it out for, you know, like, a game night with your pals, yeah. like, you're probably not going to play it for that long. You're probably only just going to do, like, a couple rounds. Mm. So I guess it's less of an issue then. I can't imagine someone wanting to make a whole afternoon of this, but probably not the best idea it sounds. It, definitely a party game. Definitely yes. a party game. And you know what? We need more of that. Feeling social. Got- Let's <laughs> not go too crazy. Come on. Game night. Oh, Game night. Game night. Yes. I'll be there. Have Mario a game party. night with your pals. Do it. So you're listening to Z Games, is that it? You're listening to Z Games. You're listening to Z Games. Hello, you're listening to Z Games. 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 Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. My name is Zara, and with me in the studio tonight is Cameron and Caroline. I'm so glad that you two remembered your names. Yeah. <laughs> and I, have I, I remember my name real good. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I can also tell my shoes. Oh, really? I know. Can you teach me sometime? Because like, I still have trouble with like the round of... You put the Velcro bit on the other Velcro oh, bit. Oh, that's, that's my mistake. Yeah. Getting back on topic. I have a review. <gasps> is it I, about tying shoes? It is not about tying shoes. Maybe, actually. It's a very narrative-driven game, and I feel like parts of it could be interpreted in any way that you want. So it could be about tying shoes. I can't wait. You'll have to let me know. South of the Circle is developed by State of Play and published by 11-Bit Studios and is available on the PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X and S and PlayStation 5. It takes us a moment to assess our situation. 
the pain in my body tells me that all things considered, the plane had crashed surprisingly well. I'm still alive at least. There's a moment of heart in my throat fear when the pilot doesn't respond. And when he does, it's not good news. His leg is broken. Maybe mangled is a better word. And we're now stuck somewhere in Antarctica. No one's responding to the radio. There's a storm raging. Without help, without contact with someone, without transport, things are pretty dire. The options are to wait here and hope, or go out there and hope. It's not really much of a choice when you think about it. South of the Circle is a narrative-focused game about a man simply trying to figure out how to predict the weather better, ending up in a situation that is far bigger than some cloud readings. However, the story that is happening in the present is only the trigger that allows us to figure out just how we ended up here. It's a story of fragile love, even more fragile hopes and dreams, the all-too-familiar sense of wasting time when everyone expects great things from you, and choices. With a simplistic art style that focused on contrasting colours and simple clear shapes, superb voice acting, music that quietens and swells at the right moments, and moments that made me hold my breath and doubt myself. South of the Circle is a little bit breathtaking. You play as Peter, an academic who somehow ended up involved in the Cold War. He has the assignment of his life due, investigating weather patterns to help predict the weather more efficiently. He has his friends and pr professors push him on, their not-so-subtle disappointment, a constant cloud that lingers over young Peter. However, Peter also has Clara, a fellow academic, with a classic meet-cute of, let me help you with your luggage. It's agonizingly human watching these two get through their first few conversations. So obviously interested in each other, but both so hesitant and nervous. But the actual setting of this game takes place in Antarctica, when Peter has to push through the cold, blistering winds to the nearest research camp, guarded by a blinking red light of a radio tower. The life of his pilot, in himself, in his hands. But as he reaches the camp and finds it empty, looking as if everyone had left in a rush, you can feel his anxiety and fear. And when he reaches the radio and reports back to the pilot, you start to get a sense of what you found yourself in, the Cold War. As Peter pushes through trying to find answers, trying to find a friendly face, his mind wanders to the past. After all, it takes a lot of walking and the mind needs to be occupied. So you relive his life, witnessing moments that give you insight into what kind of person Peter is. And not only that, you influence these defining moments. Other than some simple movement, you are given the opportunity to respond and choose. Icons pop up, each representing a set of emotions. One represents anger, denial, aggressiveness. Another is fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. Some situations will only have two choices, to respond or not at all. Some situations will have one choice appear first, but if you wait a moment, another is revealed. And a lot of situations will have a lot of options pop up. Initially, these flashbacks transition into and out of the scene clearly, with a gust of snowy wind. However, as Peter pushes through from sight to sight, he is affected by the sense of fear, despair, and the freezing cold, and the past and the present starts to merge together. The snowmobile he manages to find turns into a little car. Entering a building takes you back to school. There are some stunning and beautiful and disorientating transitions between the past and the present. And as Peter struggles, you figure out why he struggles so much. Rowing a boat brings on memories of abuse. The views he sees takes him back to those beautiful but fragile moments of Clara, and you see Peter revealed as someone who is scared and terrified and uncertain but also gentle 
and full of strength he didn't realize he had, and regrets, confusion, love, anger. The performances presented by these characters add a layer of real depth to these scenes, and although the Cold War was a different time to now, there were a lot of scenes that I found familiar. At the end, I reflected on my decisions and tried not to doubt myself too much. Tried to ignore that fear and certainty and instead trust and hope. And then you're rewarded with a friend, yearning, sitting on the edge of your seat, full of anxiety. I've already mentioned the music, but it's just so expressive. Crafted to help me feel what Peter is meant to be feeling. Enjoy the quiet moments, stress at the moments of despair, feel his fear and uncertainty but also feel how hopelessly in love he is, even if he doesn't quite realise it. The voice acting is superb, and I don't think a similar performance could have been recreated with another cast. South of the Circle is one of those games where I played through in one sitting, made it to the credits, put down the controller down and just said, that was a good game. I enjoyed the pacing of this game, the importance of small moments emphasised. I was left feeling like there was so many things unresolved, so many things I could have done differently. I'm wondering if it was too late, if doing things differently would have changed things. I don't think it would have. I think Peter would have ended up here either way. And I think we're both still regretful at the end. Stories don't always need a neat, tidy bow. Endings don't always provide closure. Maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it, a little too much into it, but I think that's part of the fun. <laughs> Wow. Oh. <laughs> Jinx. Wow. Jinx. Whoa. Well, I, I, I got questions, but um, go right ahead, Carolyn. No, just, it sounded, sounds beautiful. It is a rather beautiful game. So poetic. Um, how, long, how long did it take to finish? Um, I wasn't exactly timing myself, but I think it took me about three to four hours. Oh, so perfect. it's not a long game. Ooh, nice little bite. Yeah, and it's just like, it's it's a story. It feels like a bit like, um, not quite a movie, but like a play, you know? Yep. Um, and like, I did have a sort of like an intermission halfway through. I was like, oh, I need to go stretch my legs and use the loo and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> buy snacks. Um, and then you come back to it and you're just like, I just, I don't know what it is exactly. There's no one thing that they did that just made the game so full of depth and emotions but it was just really well cultivated i feel it sounds like a really interesting character study yeah like there were, there were quite a few times where it's like my responses i was trying to like push peter to be more assertive i was like someone's got to take action this is an emergency situation but he's not really that kind of person and that ends up showing and then i sort of ended up responding in a way that i felt made more sense not only to him but to myself because there's a lot of opportunities where you can respond with like anger and forwardness but you can also just be like quiet and listen to other people and be a pal mm -hmm. like there's quite a lot of scenes where peter is just driving with clara or taking a walk through the woods with her and they're just talking about nothing in particular like you know when you have those conversations with your friends where you're just talking oh, yeah. about whatever and like sometimes you might delve to like some stuff about your background that's kind of like, ooh, that's a bit, that's a bit heavy, but it just comes out so naturally. And the ways that you can respond to these is like, part of me was like, oh, wanted to go for the positive option, 
But then I felt like that's not quite right. I don't actually want to go for the positive option. And then I'll wait a moment and there'll be a more sympathetic option available. And then you get the little icon that just mentions that this is a bit of a defining moment. And the way that those defining moments work is that at the end, it all sorts of matters a lot and yet not at all. Interesting. You mentioned before about how there's um, options for like your emotional response. Yeah. Was there an opportunity to like just push your emotions down into a tiny little ball that a little explode <laughs> in rage when you're 40s? Well, um, like sort of. That's kind of like the don't answer at all option, mm-hmm. which I did accidentally once. And I was like, that's a thing you can do because these are these are technically quick time events. These little prompts that pop up, these little icons. And sometimes I'd like, you know, I've looked away for a moment. I look back and I'm like, ah, oh, dry outs, I didn't even look at my options. And then it's just Peter's just sort of like freaking out quietly. I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. I'm freaking out too. This is really stressful. There's a, there's a Soviet flag up there. I don't know what's going on. Have you guys ever been on a flight where you look at the people you're flying with and go, well, if we crash, who do I eat first? Yes. Or is it... Yeah, okay. Yes. Cool. Right. I... I'm so, I, okay, I, I don't children. do that. But I do I do a sort of thing where, like, if we crash, I'm going to have to take charge. You... that, And I'll sort of, like, suss out everyone. I'll be like, you look like you know CPR. All right. I'll have you part of the medical team. And then just sort of like assign people tasks. And then like, you know, if the plane does crash, I'm like, all right, everybody, we've got to line up over here. We need to make sure that these corridors are clear. I don't know. I'm assuming that the flight attendants who's literally it's part of the job and training have disappeared, I guess. I'll be making cups of tea for everyone. Oh. That'll be my job. Oh, you know what? If I was in a plane that crashed, I hope I'm on a plane with you. Right with you. Excellent. I'm on a flight next week. Yeah, yeah maybe not with you, Caroline, because I feel like you're going to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I, if I look just a little bit peaky. You're just like, you're looking a bit pale there, Zara. You're not going to be able to contribute much to the group. Better contribute through my stomach. Wow. Oh, just like, I don't know, just take me out quickly, at I least, like a chicken. Strength. We need her. She's what? the EP. We won't be invited back on the show if we eat her. Well... I don't know, but I've, you can probably wrangle some some bozo off the street. Yeah. I do <laughs> like the idea that this game is not really so much about doing stuff than it is about feeling stuff. Yeah, I felt a lot of emotions, and like I think the main emotion I felt was regret because I was kind of like mm. maybe I could have done something different. And like obviously Peter was going through a lot of regret, and I think that was part of it. You know, that's what you're meant to be experiencing. Oh, is I it know. a game that you can save scum and go back to your options? I don't know. Like I said, I only played in one sitting, oh, so fair. it didn't really occur to me. But yeah. I'm just looking up his credits. He's the voice of Sid in Final Fantasy uh, 15, uh, 14. Oh! S- really? Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, I know that one! Yeah, oh, dang, that's cool. Now <laughs> I'm going to be playing Final Fantasy in like a year and be like, that's, that's Peter! <laughs> My name is Zara and with me in the studio tonight is... Caroline. And? Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> That's a throwback to the start of the episode. And speaking of the start of the episode, we're coming up to the end oh of the God. episode. So soon. It happens yeah. every week. And then it's time for us to say goodbye. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, actually. Oh, okay. All right, cool. <laughs> it is time for us to say goodbye. Good night. Good luck. Farewell. Good game. GG. GG. Easy. Did you all have fun? Yeah. Always. Awesome. Yay. That was good. Bye. Bye. I love you. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to Zed Games. If you'd like to listen to more, check out our podcast on Spotify. Or follow us on social media at ZEDGamesAU. See you next time. time.